You know, this movie we watched this week showed us a lot of fantastical things. We have gigantic monsters that turn into stone at UV light. We have a hunter of said monsters who's randomly willing to take on a bunch of college students in order to have them uh, show the world what's going on in this country. And the maybe the most fantastical, amazing thing of all. A cell phone that works that far out into the woods. We're talking about Troll Hunter. Hello, Miles. How are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. I am. I'm enjoying Monster March Madness so far. Loved having Travis on the show last week. And it's it's just super fun to go through these movies, especially since you haven't seen any of these. Yeah, no, I am. I am completely out of the loop in most of these things. And this is an interesting one. So 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 far in Monster March, we went through an American monster movie uh, in the uh, some of the style of of older monster movies in in Cloverfield. Then we have a a Korean monster movie that is very different than than uh, actually closer to the original Godzilla and that there is a point to it more than just monster. There's like a, a social a social point to it. Uh, and and now we're we're going to Europe and I don't see a lot of monster movies coming out of Europe. No, you get a couple. I mean, uh, most famously, one ended up on MST3K's revival series on Netflix. Uh, the, w- one of the Godzilla ripoffs they had was a Danish monster yeah. movie. Is Reptilicus, is that that one? I believe so. I believe yeah. that's what it was. And yeah, th- and that was one of the more fun things about doing this this month is to, to shine the light on, on a couple, not lesser knowns, but lesser talked about outside of Cloverfield. Uh, monster movies and i was curious last week i asked you you know your history with monster movies and if you grew up watching them uh and since that you're you're i won't say less enthusiastic but uh you seek them out less than 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 i typically do when you when you do watch a monster movie when you do choose to check one out is there anything in particular that you're looking for like do you have your own personal set of like this is what i would like for to for a monster movie to do for me so that's an interesting question that I'm not sure that I have a defined answer at the moment. I, I think that when we started doing, uh, when we the really outside of MST3K, cause that is like 99% of my monster movie experience before we started covering, uh, Godzilla movies a couple years back on the show. Uh, that was really, it had to be goofy and there had to be three talking heads making fun of it at the bottom of the screen. Now, when I look at things and I look at the, at my history with monster movies, you know, I really, really liked Cloverfield a lot. It was exciting. There was character work to it. There, there were like the effects were good uh, and it felt. Well, uh, for lack of a better it term, prescient, it felt prescient. It felt real. Um, and I look at I, I look at uh, uh, something like of the Godzilla movies that I that I really got into the the Heisei era Godzilla movies, which were the 90s Godzilla movies uh, where they were, you know, better effects. They were a little more serious. They they had other 
other things going on in them other than just random scientists and random yes i mean other scientists the, the the showa era ended up having a very much a saturday morning kind of feel to them whereas the heisei era there's an attempt to kind of touch back on that uh socio-political commentary that the original godzilla was making uh, the biolante movie in particular was a great one and a great example about that one um so i definitely get what you're saying so would you say that these do- that you do prefer the ones that have maybe a little bit more of an attempted voice in terms of like when you're not looking at a a msc3k monster movie when you're not uh, watching a saturday morning goof them up if you're going to sit down and watch a monster movie would you would you say it's fair to say like i want the i want my monster movies to be some sort of allegory i want them to be fun or, but i also want them yeah, to, to to have a to have a point for all of yeah it. like because i want to because i don't think that cloverfield necessarily had a point to it uh when it comes to like it's not like the original godzilla movie being a, a an allegory for atomic weapons or or the host being an allegory for uh, a particular event uh between the US and South Korea but, I think I think Clover feels more about a moment but, it's but, it's more of encapsulating a moment and it it probably handles characters people characterizations the best of any of the ones that I have seen, which I think is partly why I, uh, I, I was so taken by it. I really, once, once it got from like 40 people talking in a room to four people running through the city amongst all of this stuff. And you really get their voice and what they're going through that, that had an impact on me. And that is, and, and that's where I also liked the host. I mean, there was character work. There was stuff going on. Not It wasn't just monster. It was. It was a family doing something and you got in you. You got to see the differences between their their personalities, unsaid history. That was just that that it was it was like it was a lot of show don't tell. And we right. don't really know a lot of the history between the family members in, in, in the host, but we can tell that there is something going on that we're not being told. And it just and, it and adds bo- to the flavor of the movie. It adds to the, the interest of, of what's bo- going both on. Both of those, both of those movies that you mentioned, they definitely do a lot of show. Don't tell. Uh, you get a lot from, okay. You get a lot of the characters from the context, which is a stark contrast to this week's movie where the characters, more or less outside of the subject matter of the shooting don't really matter. No. And and that is something that I, I think there, I, I, I said something to you about the way that this, that this movie you did. felt. And then I saw a, a re- I read a, a review of it that described it in a slight twist that I want to talk about with you. But I think before we get into it, let's talk Good. about a little bit of the history of, Troll Hunter, a 2010 Norwegian movie uh, about uh, it's a found footage film uh, and uh, and it's about these college students who are investigating these uh, bear attacks and uh, a suspected poacher that turns out is a hunter of these trolls. Yeah, so uh, the Troll Hunter writer director Andre uh overdoll and if i have mispronounced that i'm sure someone's gonna let me know <laughs> uh but i i looked it up online and that was kind of what i got 
So he wanted to bring back the more serious roots of the variety of Norwegian folklore about trolls, explaining, today, troll depictions are usually very cozy and sweet, even Norwegian depictions of them. But back then, they were really frightening creatures, and I wanted to get back to that when I made the troll film. And it reminds me of some similar things that were said about Buffy the Vampire Slayer when it first came out on television, where the vampire faces changed in that they wanted to remind people that they were monsters, that they weren't just these fancy pants people drinking wine in France. And the and, the movie, uh, as as we watch it, it really makes a point of the these <laughs> these college students keep asking uh, Hans, the the troll hunter you know, about, well, do they wear clothes? Of course they don't wear clothes. Like, do they live under bridges? You know, all these, all these things. And they point out little funny troll figurines that they see in a gift shop at one point. And like, that's not what that looks like after they've watched it almost kill their friend. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's a really cool perspective to bring. I always like when someone tries to bring something back out, put, put the teeth back into an old legend. So both as a cost-saving and narrative choice, Ordal, Overdahl opted to utilize the mockumentary format, or uh, POV or found footage. This was an effort to ground the film and emphasize the dry humor without overly highlighting it. And this is, and, where, and, this is where you mention mockumentary, which is what that review called it. And I, I look at this, and I, maybe if I saw it through that lens ahead of time, I would have seen that. It's possible that there's just a language barrier and I just didn't line up with well, that. We're going to touch on that when we talk about the movie because researching the film, you find you, this film is distinctly Norwegian. And and that is something that we're going to talk a little bit about when we talk about the film. Uh, but when, when, talking about the actual humor, he said, I think the sense of humor wouldn't come through if you shot it as a normal, regular film. Because you'd never have all these people sitting, talking directly to the camera, seriously describing to you how all this works out. So I really think this helps this. And this is something that I thought was really important. It helps the absurdity of the film. Yeah, which because there are some there are some absolutely absurd, weird things in this movie that are. uh, That are fun and interesting. The film was shot. Yeah, go ahead. I was just saying it's it's the first one we we've watched that has a a real kind of winking at the camera feel to it, even though it's taking itself very seriously. There is a a black humor element to it. It's very funny that we saw this after Cloverfield, both being found footage mm-hmm. monster movies, but yes. very different kinds of found footage monster movies. The film was shot as as most found footage projects with a studio or or budget behind it often often are under maximum security in the mountains of Western Norway. Actress Johanna Mork, Merck, I don't I know. So. It's the it's the O with the line through it. Uh, called the experience exhausting due to the amount of hiking and night shoots, but commented that she also felt exciting as if she were on a real adventure. And you can tell this country is beautiful when oh, you look at it in this film. It's so gorgeous. I, some of the reviews complain about this movie could have been 15 minutes shorter without the multiple shots of the countryside and the fjords. And I'm like, yeah, but it's so dang pretty. I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Uh, troll budget, troll hunters budget came in at the equivalent of about us $3.5 million with about 1 million of that spent on the trolls themselves. And because 
a number of the cast members were famous comedians in Norway. The title and casting were kept completely under wraps until shortly before the film's premiere. Only cryptic trailers were released to create a viral effect. So you can see that, uh, especially when people do these mockumentaries or found footage movies, more often than, than not, they they really want to give you that that one creepy trailer that's going to make you, oh, man, check this out, check this out, and, you know, get 20 million hits on YouTube. They, they want that effect. And, and the, the viral aspect of this subgenre has always been so important, dating back to 99's Blair Witch. You know, the, the marketing campaign about, of, about that film was that these kids were missing and it is it is funny to me and 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 this is something that i think well, you called this distinctly norwegian <laughs> like outside of the the three teenagers that were introduced to in this movie i call them teenagers they're probably 20 or college kids they're college kids uh outside of them all of the 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 adults in the movie the grown-ups are famous Norwegian comedians and it's so hilarious to me in the context of this movie starts out with this whole thing about how this footage was found here and there there have been numbers of studies on it and and it and it is to be believed that this footage is real and then you're introduced to one of the biggest comedians in Norway and and that's that's something that I didn't know at the time watching this so obviously I knew it was I knew it was not you know I knew it wasn't real. I knew it was 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 a, a movie with actors, but I had no idea that like because that's where I th- I thought it was kind of a documentary feel in a way that because because, you know, clearly with the comedian as the troll hunter a comedian that I had never heard of before that that whole thing was completely lost on on my uh, my. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's going to happen. Well, because what I was about to, to say in, in kind of support of that is one of the strengths of most found footage POV movies is that they're usually comprised of unknown actors. You know, you can say, oh, well, T.J. Miller was in Cloverfield, but no one knew who T.J. Miller was in 2007. Yeah. And honestly, the only example I could think of that goes against that was uh, 2018's Searching which is not a horror film. It's a crime thriller starring John Cho, who's trying to find his missing daughter. And it is absolutely riveting. It's basically a one-man show with the occasional appearance by Deborah Messing as one of the police officers, who is also excellent. And it's a phenomenal, phenomenal film and a good case for you can use known actors, but it has to be in a very specific way. Mm. And in a film like that, it works because he's playing a, a dad. It's not it's not like, oh, I'm just shooting this footage. It's it's filmed in a way that you don't know he's being he doesn't know he's being watched. And and that's it's more of the the way in which they wanted to present the story. Whereas here it is this found footage style. And yeah, if if you and I are watching it, we don't recognize a single one of these people. And one of them holds a world record. So, <laughs> but nonetheless, Troll Hunter was uh, released on October 29th, 2010, in its native Norway to very positive reviews, with the Norwegian Broadcasting Company claiming a new Norwegian classic is born. 
Uh, the film was a pretty modest box office success in the home country. I don't have the data for how it did internationally, but I know it became an instant international cult favorite. Uh, finding itself nominated for multiple genre awards, like the, the prestigious Saturn Awards, and even the <laughs> the more uh, magazine-happy uh, Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. <laughs> and it even won two Amanda Awards, which is Norway's sort of equivalent to the Oscars. So this this film definitely garnered a lot of excitement and respect when it came out, and no sequel was spawned, though the remake rights were sold. Nothing came into fruition. But I, the success I, of Tr- Troll Hunter came onto my radar because at the same time that the remake rights were sold, uh, I think that is the same time that it hit Netflix back in the early Netflix days. It did. Yes, it and, did. And I didn't catch it then because I couldn't tell. Like, it's funny. I look at the movie, the movie poster to it that I see and the one that Netflix put up conveniently had the the car and troll hunter and the troll yeah. but but didn't have the troll <laughs> it just had the car which is funny to me but uh oh that is that's funny um the the film did launch the career of overdoll in hollywood uh, he's gone on to direct the recent uh scary stories to tell in the dark and is slated to direct the upcoming adam uh, adaptation of stephen king's the long walk um he's also done a couple of more independent festival favorite uh, horror films like the autopsy of james doe uh, all of which were very good and very well directed i i actually really enjoyed his scary stories to tell in the dark yeah i didn't watch it because i am a huge chicken well bok, you, bok, you, it's just not your thing <laughs> bok, 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 bok. Uh, so, so this one this one's a little bit different because um we are we are dealing with a culture that both of us are fairly unfamiliar with because i i feel like both of us have watched our fair share of uh, Korean and Japanese cinema. We're a little bit more, I would say, familiar with that than we are Norway. And also with a... This is one thing I was thinking of while watching this movie is I feel like the kind of fairy tales are starting to, I think, fade a little bit. Like, I would say our generation is probably the last one that maybe got a couple of troll fairy tales. But other than that, um, my my you know point of reference for trolls are the the doll craze, <laughs> and then maybe the the troll hunters on on Netflix cartoon. Yeah, I, trolls. I I knew the the story of the the troll under the bridge that right that uh, you know stopped you and you had he had to answer a question before he'd eat you. I don't eat you remember. or something. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember the the full story, which is also very funny that in this film there is a troll under a bridge. Uh just you have to laugh. You have to have a troll under a bridge. But <laughs> this is this is where that's just our American context for these things. I have Correct. a sneaking suspicion that troll stories are more a part of the the cultural DNA of of that area, not just Norway, but I would imagine any of the Scandinavian countries. Well, you, you think about where we get our troll stories from. The, the If you trace the DNA, they go back to those Norwegian folktales. So I would imagine they are much stronger there. I, I don't know how, what, what, you know, people's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Exposure is to these stories, but 
it seems to me from getting a loose reading is that people caught on pretty quickly to a lot of this stuff and and reading into it i mean there was stuff that the movie does not explain to you that i guess seems obvious specifically the ability to smell uh, a christian's blood yeah that they seems... never explain that at all but it's part of some folk stories that that's and and it worked so well so let's let's do a little bit like sure five minutes of story so uh we've got a a group of students tomas johanna and kala i'm mispronouncing i think so yeah even though i heard it uh a a hundred times in the movie they are students from volda college and they are uh, trying to make a documentary about a bear poacher so this is another thing that apparently the bear population uh, in in Norway gets to a certain point. I don't know whether this is created for the movie or not. This is what the movie gives us. There are licensed government bear hunters that are the ones that go out and hunt the bears uh, to keep them from getting into populated areas uh, and attacking people and, and all of that. And uh, there's this one guy that is there that nobody knows who he is or none of the bear hunters have ever seen him before. They don't know who he is. They believe that he's a poacher. And so these, these college students think they're going to get a good documentary. They're going to get a good thing if they can, you know, track this guy and find out what he's doing. Well, as it turns out when they track him deep into the woods, uh, that he is not a bear hunter. He is a troll hunter. And yes, trolls are real not the cartoony style not the live under a bridge and challenge you to a riddle no just these lumbering brutes that will brutally destroy you knock trees down of and they are all sorts of different heights and there are different types of trolls and all of this stuff and so they begin to and and he he is tired of being a troll hunter and tired of covering for the the uh what is it the tss yeah uh, like a troll security system or something with like that or the, service the, the troll the the secret troll service or something like that sts i can't remember but uh basically and hans is this this troll hunter's name and he is is tired of the work he's he's old he's he's been beaten around he doesn't get paid enough and he's tired of this <laughs> this dude in the government uh finn who is uh another famous norwegian comedian uh covering up uh and oftentimes covering up for it extremely poorly uh for for what's actually happening in the country this culminates in numerous uh troll encounters including one where one of the college students is killed uh and then they get another college student to come in and then encounter the massive jotnar which is yes that name starts with a J. It's so cool. All the names in this movie are all kind of Viking things. They even go to a place called Jotunheim. And they are in Norway, Drew. <laughs> they are in Norway, which makes sense. It does make, it does make sense. But uh, isn't that where the last God of War took place? Uh, somewhere in there. It's some, somewhere in Scandinavia. I don't know specifically. But uh, but yeah, and uh, and it involving the the destruction of this gigantic Jotnar, who is the biggest troll that he is the only one that's encountered it before. And he says encountered, not killed. Uh, and uh, and unfortunately, 
he just kind of pieces out at the end <laughs> off into the distance. Don't really know what happened to him because I thought he was about to die, but no, he didn't die. He just pieces out. And then all of a sudden Finn and his goons eclipse the, uh, our poor college students. And that is the end of the footage. Yes. Um, so I'm going to start with, I love I, I, you, you mentioned this a, a little bit ago, but you, you were talking about the little uh, blurbs that came before the film and about how they were trying to convince you that this is real. I love that they actually say we spent a year to make sure we weren't getting punked. The, the actual the actual wording was to make sure it wasn't a practical joke. But I love that that little bit of flavor is in there. Yeah. Like, it's not just like, oh, we've combed over the footage and this is the last footage of these missing students. It's, you know, we had to take a while to see if this was even real. (laughs) It's a fun element to it that, that, you know, they, we tested it. We promise we tested it. Uh, But again, it's all of that is underlined when you, when like the, 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 the big, crazy, creepy uh, uh, poacher that you're encountering is Norway, Norway's famous comedian, <laughs> right? But I, but I, I think it's fun because it does give you an underlying sense of the humor. Because there are a few moments that are laugh out loud funny, but most of it is just this very dry kind of humor. It is, it, and, and and that's I think the biggest cultural difference is that if this was an American movie, they would land a lot of those. Oh, Cloverfield's a perfect example of that like a lot of those jokey jokes a little more jokey jokey now that could be a that could be a difference you know cultural comedy it could be a language difference because you're watching this subtitled you know it, it who, who knows but yeah i mean i mean like i said cloverfield you have hud you know cracking wise in situations that are like this is clearly a joke where here it's a little bit more tongue-in-cheek it's a little bit like most often you can kind of tell but like even talking about how stupidly persistent the students are. Do you think Michael Moore gave up on his first try? <laughs> yeah, that was, that that was, was a funny. great line. That and I, there, there are funny moments where it's almost even making fun of, because this is 2010 paranormal activity and the onslaught of movies that it inspired had already come out. So there's a scene right before they first meet um oh what's his name hans um hans that they come across this fence that has a sign that says warning blasting area and they just toss, <laughs> they t- take, toss they, it aside with take not the a sign care in the world and throw it <laughs> yeah literally toss it aside and keep on going forward and i'm thinking to myself wait a minute like bar- tr- Forget about the trolls. What if this actually was a blasting area? <laughs> but what's great is that later on in the movie, when they start following him around, he's like, go close that fence and hang this sign up. And it's the same blasting area yeah. sign that they tossed aside. Uh, it's a very good touch. And in part of this, I wonder how much of this is cultural, how much of this is intentional. The designs of the trolls themselves are, for lack of a better term, a little silly. They look like slightly more menacing versions of 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 a, like a, of a cartoony like kind a, of troll. Yeah, like a Don Bluth troll. And and that that I wondered how much of that was 
was intentional? How much of that was, was, I guess, how much of that was referential to the classic designs of trolls and how much of that was, was towards the, like the first troll we see has three heads. It's called a, uh, what was that one called? Um, a tosser lad. Yeah. Which the name is like, what? (laughs) And uh, I'm thinking of it. You like using like UK English and thinking, wait, is it really called tosser lad? Cause that just, that sounds funny, but that's me just trying to equate it with with the, the closest language yeah, I know but, on that side of the world. But even then, it's got it's got three heads on it and these gigantic noses that it's these big bulbous round cartoony noses, and it's just sniffing like so. <laughs> and it, and you hear if, this big loud sniff. <laughs> if you look at the Troll Hunter Wikipedia page, there are some paintings of trolls on the bottom right, and. I clicked one of the the painters, and this is someone who lived from 1882 to 1918. So that depiction of a troll is a classic Norwegian depiction of a troll. Yeah, and they do look they do look f- f- a, a fair bit about that. It's uh, or a fair bit like that. It's just they are odd looking creatures. They are, for lack of a better term, goofy looking. And and, and I will give this movie credit for making those goofy looking creatures kind of menacing they're mm-hmm. big you lose them in the woods because it's pitch black it's like this is in a place where there are are not like street lights this is middle of the forest the only light you have is the light that is on your person and uh and this thing or, or just the um the camera the uh infrared or the, or the night vision night camera vision. yeah not night vision and I, I actually i have to applaud this movie for something it does not attempt a night vision jump scare almost every single found footage movie does this and there were moments i kept thinking I it was going to <laughs> yeah no and that they that they that's what was so cool about this is um overdahl played with that expectation and didn't give it to you and i really liked that it actually made the moment more tense um one of the things that I also did like a lot is that I appreciated the documentary break that we get because the, the, the idea is that these kids are still making some sort of school documentary. And so when they finally convince Hans to let them tag along after, you know, they've had their first troll experience, he actually starts answering some questions and it's, they do it so well that it's not an exposition dump because these kids are generally like what trolls are real. You've got it. You've got to let us know what's going on. And so the way they deliver that information, I think is, is better than a lot of found footage films that, that do this at all. And there's something to be said about that because they, they do give us exposition, but they do it in a way that you would expect documentation. conversation. Yeah. It's in conversation. And it's in a way that you would expect documentarians to do asking questions that they're fairly certain they already know the answers to in order to get an answer on film (laughs) is kind of how how i saw some of that happening and that was especially funny when we get to to the character of finn who is basically this this guy who works for the the government as part of the secret troll service to hide that trolls exist in norway and his 
his goofy encounters where he hires these Polish painters to bring bears around. And then he's got these shoes on that make bear tracks so that he can like, Oh, the bear came down here. Yeah. And apparently there was some sort of cultural, um, it was a play on the xenophobic stereotypes that most Norwegian immigrants are from Poland. And that is something that I would have never had have gotten if I hadn't read that somewhere just because I'm not in the culture. So I wouldn't have picked up on that. Um, I got more of the, Oh, this is kind of uh, some comic relief that they, they repeat the same word. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they just kind of seemed like well-intentioned blue collar workers. Yeah. That, that scene, if that was, was a cultural thing, completely lost on me that is interestingly the one scene in this movie in english which is very funny all of a sudden right. I, all of a sudden i didn't have subtitles and i could understand what they were saying i was like wait did i did i just learn norwegian no dummy it's just in english there's a couple moments where they say like a word or two of english that the subtitles don't bother doing um which which was fine but it, it did throw me off some i i think where the movie kind of loses me is I think the third act is rough. The third act is um, a little strange. So, so we should probably talk. Another thing this movie does is that it teases you with danger, but then it pulls it back a little too quickly. None. Uh, there was a point where I didn't think any character was going to die in this movie. and when one character does die, it's not that much of a shock. Like it's, it seems to be like it's supposed to be the most shocking part of the movie. And it didn't really. It doesn't land because the characters don't seem to care. And this is what I was talking about earlier is, you know, Hans really feels like the only character in the film, everyone else there is a warm body. Yes. And this is where this is like the inverse of Cloverfield where we are, drawn into the stories of these characters working together. We don't really even know if these people are friends or what they're doing. They seem to be familiar enough with each other, but you know, it's, it's like, they seem to be classmates more than anything. I think um, the, the, the character's death is the start of where things start to fall apart for me a little bit because then they introduce a brand new character without much thought into it and without telling her what's even going on yeah they don't tell her why she's there why she's part of this team she thinks that they're filming oxen they're like oh well uh not exactly and when she's being you know asked questions by hans he asks, you know, if she believes in God or if she's a Christian and she says that she's a uh, Muslim. And Tomas is like, Muslim is OK. And he goes, I honestly don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was a genuinely funny moment because he delivers it in such a dry way that I was like, wow, like <laughs> this is someone who really doesn't care. And he stated from the very beginning that. You know, just do what I say. I don't care about you. Like, yeah, we'll see. Because the the classic folklore, as we've been told, is specifically the blood of a Christian. So he doesn't know. 
like how specific that is. Is it the Abrahamic uh, God or is there something else to it? Like, we'll, we don't get an answer, by the way. This character almost never speaks again. Yeah, she she you can hear her freaking out when uh, at the end, when they are in the cabin. In, when Big uh, J comes when Big J comes, the Jotnar. Uh, and then, uh, you know, but she she's out there. She's she's filming things. I think they're asking her what what her background is. And she's like, well, I've done work for the BBC and I've I've uh, done ta- I've I filmed tigers in Tanzania. And Han's like, oh, tigers, that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then that was funny. But I was also like, you were overqualified. <laughs> but and then and then the, the end comes. And again, I, it feels like we are being set up for Hans to have a heroic death and he says i hope i hope you got the footage that you needed and he runs off to do the last final blow after mm-hmm. they, after they've wrecked the the hans mobile and the uh and and he's Which, that car was awesome no car was pretty was pretty cool the, the, he's run out all the batteries on the big powerful light that he's using uh because trolls like vampires uh they they either turn to stone or they explode uh, when they are exposed to ultraviolet light. Um, and, and we did get an, an explanation for why there. Which a I think very is, cool explanation. Which is kind of neat. Yeah, I really enjoyed. There's a, a bit scene where they go and deliver a blood sample to a vet who is apparently in on everything. And she breaks some science down on these kids as to what happens when a troll is exposed to UV light and how long trolls live and all this stuff. And... It was really cool. I did not expect to get that from this movie. Yeah. You know, it, I I didn't expect to get any because often with with found footage or mockumentary movies, you get zero knowledge about what's going on, which is what is so refreshing about troll hunters is you walk away from this movie, even if you're not as familiar with the culture, you feel like you walk away knowing a good chunk about trolls within the realm of this movie. Yeah. And 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 a lot of that is obviously, you know, like explaining for the sake of a contemporary audience why a troll like basically the trolls have a hard time processing calcium so when they get exposed to uv light uh the way that you vitamin d uh, was yeah the way that vitamin vitamin d D. interacts with their systems causes their bones to calcify and they turn to stone it's a cool it's a cool explanation it makes enough sense you know yes it, it, it makes enough BS sense that I, I am down with it. Uh, there's a moment when Finn is on the screen. I think it's after uh, one of the characters dies and Johanna is screaming at this guy like, why is this a secret? And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Why, why is this a secret? Why is this a secret? We don't ever find out why it's a secret. It's wild to me that this is a secret because. I it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to keep it a secret, at least from what we get. Um, There are some cool moments that, you know, oh, well, these power lines are not actually power lines. They're actually just gigantic electric fences meant to keep in certain trolls. And that was so funny to to watch uh, Hans talk to this, uh, this power plant manager. And he's talking about these power lines and, and they just go and they go off in a circle here don't you think that's weird it's like well yeah he's like a, a little bit a little but, bit but i just you know let it go you know 
it'll pay me to think for that. And because uh, apparently that's that's real in in Norway is this big circle of power lines. Yeah, I, I was reading a um, I was reading a interview with the director, and he said part of the inspiration from for that whole part of the movie was that they were just just traveling, and he saw these gigantic fields of power lines and thought, why is this all the way out here? Well, and that goes on to one of the funniest bits of of things in this movie. It's after the very end of the movie, the found footage is cut off, and we are get another text blurb on the screen that talks about the Norwegian prime minister. Uh, let me get his name. Uh, Jens Stoltenberg. And it's him on it's him on uh, Norwegian national television talking about this this power expansion. And they say that Norway, like Jens Stoltenberg, confirms the existence of trolls. And you watch this and literally he says that Norway has trolls. Da 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 da. And you see they've spliced in footage of of Finn, the uh, the troll service guy. Uh, <laughs> just shocked that he heard the guy say that. Well, I looked into yeah. this. I looked into this. What he said that that little bit of of news footage is real. It's a real thing. He actually said that on Norwegian national television. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but in Norway, they have these oil platforms off the coast that are called Troll One, Troll Two, and Troll Three. He was talking about the oil platforms. It's just one of those fun things. That, yeah, it's it's that a very use. fun bit of editing to to get, to ground this film even more. And on a whole, I thought this film was extremely entertaining. I I do ha- it does kind of commit some sins that even as much of a found footage apologist and enthusiast as I am, there are parts of this movie that do irk me a little bit. Um, one, even though it's completely realistic when the camera is dropped and the lens cracks and they keep filming for like 10 more minutes. It's and they, not they that commi- long. It's like a scene. It ain't that no, long. No, but that's the thing is, it feels like it's 10 minutes. So that, 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 okay, well, I'll let you finish. They, they commit to this broken camera lens and it drives me insane. <laughs> I wondered if the rest of the movie was going to be like that, but then we find out that they're going to get another camera person. I and, uh, would have been so mad. Uh, I, 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 I applaud them committing to the bit, honestly. Um, that does not surprise me at all. <laughs> Well, mostly because you could tell that it was the same cracked camera lens, or at least yes. probably not really a cracked camera lens, probably something in front of the camera lens that looks cracked. But it's it's the same. Yes, it's it's the same piece that they use in multiple scenes after that. And it's and it works. It works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, it does. I will say, though, that that because of the dry sense of humor in this movie. It took me a while to get into it because our our focus characters, our three college students, we're really not told anything about them. We are not really given any reason to care about, honestly, anybody in this movie except for Hans. And while I think that works, if this is a documentary, you want your focus to be on the documentary subject and not on the people making the documentary, unlike something like Michael Moore does and a lot of these things funny that they name check him earlier, but because of that, and because it takes 
just a little like it takes 30 minutes to get to the first troll and in any other movie like the the cloverfield monster doesn't show up in the first 30 minutes uh godzilla doesn't show up in the first 30 minutes you know it's 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 but the pacing otherwise is very dry this this film 100 percent feels all like 100 minutes that it is yes and i think part of that is because like you said drew because of how it's paced and (laughs) you had a very funny anecdote earlier about the pacing of this movie (laughs) i don't know if you want me to repeat it but i thought it was very very funny (laughs) um so the and i think the pacing of this movie is part of my issue with it because there are points that everything seems to move smoothly and the, the wheels are greased but they're it's almost like being on a roller coaster but in a bad way it's like on that that opening hill where you're hearing the clunk 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 clunk, clunk, clunk and it feels like it's taking forever for this old roller coaster to get at the top of its hill so you can just go over a couple of humps and get off space mountain you know it's the and it happens a couple times and i think that's the problem and i think that's why one of the reviewers talked about hey maybe take out 15 minutes of the scenery because it just it's not snappy it's it's not and that's you know and but once you get started once once you crest the hill and we're hanging out with hans and we're getting learning about all of these things and we're even when we're seeing his troll forms that he has to fill out every time he kills a troll about what that was all about that's that's cheeky it's funny it's interesting and and you're learning about the troll stench and how and, and how you're supposed to cover yourself up in it and and how how he's got all this other stuff in order to hunt the trolls all of that works it's just getting to that part is a little bit more of a challenge it is and honestly any time that we're not actively hunting trolls can be a little bit of I don't want to say a bore because it, the movie is never boring, but there are scenes that I feel that last too long with the scene in the diner when they're getting breakfast. I feel like that scene carries on a little bit too long. It's just little bits here and there that that contribute to the film feeling like it's a little bit longer than it is. And my only other big complaint with this film, and it's it's one that I get picky with a lot of found footage films is how it ends i feel very unsatisfied by this film's abrupt ending in mid-sentence yeah i'm not a huge fan of that as well especially because again i mentioned it previously they set hans up to have a heroic death to save all of them and he definitely saves all of them and defeats the the giant troll and And it's a very cool looking shot yeah and then he just pieces out (laughs) so yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> runs off yeah. and disappears i don't know the, what yeah, the that's end, about I, <laughs> the ending of this movie is is completely unsatisfying in that respect because you know i think it's tomas that has the camera he's just bolting because he doesn't want the government people to take his camera and then all of a sudden he like trips and falls and then he's just down like i don't know if it's the rabies that got him someone shot him from the back or if he got he just hit by the, and falls. If he get, got hit by that truck <laughs> Yeah, well, so apparently from what I read, we're supposed to imply that he collapsed and the truck pulls up and the 
whoever was driving the truck is how we find the footage. But there are two guys that are chasing him right there. What happened to the two guys? I, I don't I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I, I feel like the ending of this movie, it and, and again, the third act of this film ever once the death happens, I feel like the film kind of snowballs into a way that doesn't quite land for me. There's so much this movie does right. And there's so much in the third act that I think is very good. I think the confrontation with Big J is awesome. Yeah, it's really it's a cool. Cool looking troll. And, and it's that, and it's the best look at a troll we really get because it's the one time that it's almost sunrise. We can see it reflected against the white of the snow and not dark and in, in, in woods or under bridges or in caves and under with a green night vision. It's a really neat thing. Um there there was something I was thinking about this, and and I I I feel like I've lost the plot a little bit on it, but um, ah shoot, I lost what I was gonna say. That's okay though. Um, oh, there, here's what it is. The one other thing that I will say is that they that that Hans sets up that there is something going on with trolls. There have been more and more troll attacks, and they and more and more trolls exiting their territory and going into human territory. And we don't know why we don't know why we don't know why. And I love that. They actually give us, they, they do give us that explanation. Mm -hmm. Rabies is going through the trolls. The potentially passed by the big J potentially passed by big J. So we got to take out big J in order to take out the rest of the trolls with rabies so that they stick to their own territory. And Tomas has gotten rabies. <laughs> Sorry. He was bitten by the tosser lad, I think. Um, bitten or scratched one. Uh, it, it was... Which I got to say, I thought the entire time he was going to like turn into a troll or Me something. Too. Me too. Thought that was going to be a but whole thing. They were, they were really setting that up. And I'm like, all right, guys, you were laying out on thick. And so the only conceivable reason I can get when he's passed out is because he, he complains more and more about how his injury hurts. Because I it, thought, well, maybe... It, and it gets, Maybe he got poisoned by the bite. It suddenly gets real bad right as the 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 big J, the Jotnar, comes over and, and is like, oh, my shoulder. Oh, it's like, oh, is he going to turn into a little tiny troll? No, he's not. He's just he's fine in the next scene because running for his <laughs> life again. Yeah, I was I was really waiting for him to get uh, turned into a troll. And, and and again, like, yes, this movie gives you so much. There is so much this movie gives you that so many mockumentary and found footage films do not give you. And that's why it kind of it breaks my heart that it doesn't quite stick the landing because there is so much that I love about this movie. And and in another in another case, I'm also glad that we didn't get an American remake of this movie because I'm sure. Oh, yeah, they would have ruined it. Oh, they, they I mean, the only other remake i can think of that they did was when they remade uh wreck into quarantine and it was not good at all yeah is that the one with the uh, dexter cistern mm, yes yes it is um i didn't think for a second <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't really give you much to go on with that <laughs> with that reference well, i didn't i didn't watch dexter much uh so i was trying to think about who that was <laughs> um 
But I think overall, I think this is a very satisfying monster movie, especially if you are looking to expand your your nerd horizons in terms of monsters where you're not just watching Japanese kaiju films and which is the crux of a lot of monster movies. Yeah. Let's be honest. Not, and, not just not just Japanese kaiju films, but inspired by Japanese kaiju films, because that is still a huge thing. Yes. So many, so many kaiju films come out of the Godzilla mold specifically. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, Pacific Rim came out of the Japanese kaiju uh, milieu and he's they, happily admits that. Yeah. They, they literally call them kaiju. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I mean, but even when you look at like Cloverfield, of course, Cloverfield has yeah. a Japanese company that the guy's going to work for and all this sort of stuff. And oh, it's it, it, there are so many Godzilla little like nods in that one. I mean, and it's not that the, the giant monster movie started with Godzilla I mean, King Kong was 1933. But. I feel like all roads lead to to Godzilla in a sense. Except for and the winding roads of Norway that seem to be completely, <laughs> completely outside uh, based on a much older mythology than Godzilla Kaiju. I mean, based on on folklore from the area. And that is something that like and folklore that like I don't know a ton about Japanese culture or Japanese society, especially in 19. 19- 50 when the original or 49 when the original Godzilla movie came out, but I can get 54. what's going on 54. Uh, I can yeah. get what's going on in that movie and what that means. And this is just so different and distinct and unique in this world of monster movies. And maybe the most unique monster movie I've ever seen because it is the well, most isolated from everything else. That's a fantastic point because we do get a monster movie that does not come from that mold. And I literally just said all roads lead to Godzilla. Um, But by utilizing their own folklore and making something just like, yes, you can, you could say, Oh, well the giant monster does kind of date back to, to this, this specific film, but this specific monster is unique to where the film comes from. And I think that is what, what makes this movie unique and i think that's why you know we wanted to watch this one is because this gives you another glimpse of the monster movie and you know before we go back to the the time tested mold i i mean i I, that's why i wanted us to to run through this little gamut of you know cloverfield the host and troll hunter because we are going back to japan next week oh we had to baby we had to yes but we are not doing the big g that you think we're doing even though that's who this month is dedicated to we are doing the other big g he is well known in japan he is somewhat known here partially thanks to mystery science theater and that is he is a friend to all to all children that's Gamera. And we are going to be watching the 1995 Heisei revival film, Gamera Guardian of the Universe, which you can watch on Amazon Prime. Yeah. So this is, again, this is a Heisei film. The only Gamera movies I have ever seen have been Showa Gamera movies that were, that were uh, 
you know, basically parodied on MST3K <laughs> and oh, uh, a lot. And and the, the story goes is that Toho didn't know what Mystery Science Theater was when they sent them all the Gamera movies or allowed them to use them. And then they found out <laughs> and were not very happy, which is why that uh, Gamma release is super rare. They did it. They did an MST3K versus Gamera uh, box set. And it is expensive. Yeah, there was a, there was a number of like Gamera and Knifehead and a number of uh, number of movies that came out as part of the same MST3K season. There were like three or four. Um, I want to say there was a Godzilla movie mixed in there, too, but I can't remember. But uh, uh, it, there was it is going to be interesting, mostly because, again, I have watched a lot of old Godzilla movies. I've watched a lot of old Gamera and just other monster movies high say wise hey say wise i never know how to pronounce that i've only seen what we watched of the godzilla movies so i am very interested to see what that era means for something that is i don't want to call it goofier but he's a flying turtle that spins around in his shell how do they make that how do they translate that into something like godzilla is easy he's a gigantic nuclear heat blasting lizard it's not quite the same for gamera so i want to see how they how they handle that what they do for that and uh and sort of see what what happens as we gear up for for what may be our last monster march entry this month i'm i am i am i'm very very excited about this one this is the one that a lot of people called you know the, the first in a trilogy of films, the Heisei era of Gamera films, are considered three great kaiju films. And uh, and we'll talk about a, bit, a little bit more next week, but when these movies came out, a lot of the monster-going public finally said that, hey, Gamera finally has a movie that can rival a Godzilla film. You know, because these were... Mo- the, the, the Showa era Gamera movies were mostly meant for children. And so I'm excited to to go into this with you because yeah, I I love Gamera. The the Heisei era of Gamera is fantastic. I I was going to do Gamera the the Brave from 2006, but Drew mentioned wanting something a little bit more classic feeling and uh and I agreed with him. I I think that, I think this is the right choice because if you watch along with us, this will be a fantastic exposure to a monster that you may not get a whole lot of screen time with so it's uh 1995's gamera guardian of the universe you can watch it on amazon prime and i am super super excited to to watch this with you i actually just got my gamera high blu-ray set in so i am <laughs> i am ready to to break that bad boy out yeah so uh with that said uh, miles do, do you do we want to give a give a shout out to to the person who emailed us in about uh troll hunter uh sure uh just a shout out to our our buddy kyle who uh he, he watched the movie along with us and talked uh about how they really uh got into the film themselves and uh mentioned Sorry, I didn't have it. I didn't have it open um, that they were going to add this one to uh, their collection and that uh, they can't wait to hear what we think. Um, it's just one of those movies that they they stumbled across uh, a few years ago and didn't get to see it until this past October. Uh, but it's one that they very much enjoyed. 
And it's it's a really fun concept. I think found footage and monster movies make for a perfect marriage. I mean, like I said, I did have problems with certain executions in this film, but I think this movie is a blast. And I think if you're building something around, like we did this month with uh, Cloverfield and Troll Hunter, they're they're a good double feature to have. And uh, I hope that everyone, uh, along with Kyle, is going to be watching Gamera on Amazon Prime with us next week because I am so excited to be talking about the other big G. <laughs> and if you would like to uh, join us watching that, uh, of course, Amazon Prime, as we've said, uh, just one more time to throw out there. And if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at themoreyounerd.com, where you can find this episode and all of our previous episodes. You can reach out to us on Twitter at themoreyounerd, facebook.com slash nerd and you can email us like kyle did the more you nerd at gmail.com that's the more you nerd at gmail.com and you can also buy your very own the more you nerd merchandise at threat uh, the more you nerd dot threadless dot com we've got two great the more you nerd logos we've had a couple who buy some of our uh, nes themed logo so shout out to you amazing people and a special skanky squad shirt we need to make a monster march shirt oops well with that <laughs> with that said well, i mean the monster march isn't done yet yeah. <laughs> with that said gang we are going to end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd. out out